fellas. Welcome to the First Response Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about the fatal shooting of Adam Toledo. Chicago PD on April 11th had a shooting, uh, and they released the video. Unfortunately, this kid was only 13 years old. So, uh, i got a few buddies with me today, and we just want to go over what they know first, then try to get the real facts, and then go into whether we think it was justified or unjustified shoot. So, uh, all right, boys. What do you know? Jake, we'll start with you, man. What, just, what have you heard got, of the case I so far? I got like a face value opinion. I just know that <laughs> it was like point. I know that point eight seconds before the cop shot. Yeah. That um. Uh, the cop thought he had a gun. Yeah, and he did. Well, it, you know, before the shot was fired, I think yeah. that's. I think the video is fair enough to say before the but, shot was fired, you can see a, a gun. Yeah, but as you as I talked to you a little bit about it. You, you, he obviously was ready to take the shot yeah. before he saw the hands. And, uh, well, your first take on it to be, to be real, like you, did you see I the video the at first up. or no, did you I just did see a picture? I saw the picture. At right. First. And so what, be very clear. What did the picture show? Because I think everybody saw the same thing. His hands are up. Exactly. You see a 13 year old boy with two hands in the air, bladed away from the officer, about a 45 degree angle looking at him. That's all you see, mm-hmm. right? And so I, that was the first take I had of it, too. And I'm like, oh, man, this this is going to be ugly. This is not going to look learning good. Learning more, though, I still thought, though, that, like, even even if he thought he had a gun in his hands, yeah. his hands were up. He did visibly see that. Exactly. Exactly. So you're, you're in your eyes, the kid was surrendering. Mm-hmm. And the officer shot him. In the moment of surrender, well, the officer he, shot. he definitely was surrendering. That right. kid definitely was surrendering in that moment. Correct. All right, what about you? Uh, did you see much about it before, Caleb, or was it just kind of well, what you're hearing from Jake? <laughs> no, no. The first thing I saw of it was the other night. I was Before I fell asleep, I was watching MSNBC, and Rachel Maddow was talking about it, and I saw the video up until the point he was actually shot. Like right. They freeze-framed his hands in the air. Yep. And I thought, from based on what I saw, I thought it was with zero context of him even having a weapon, because when I first saw it, we didn't know. I didn't know what was going on. Yeah. I didn't realize he had a weapon or anything like that. And, um, did you hear anything about why they got called out there or anything up to that point? Well, at the point or at that point, I did hear that they got called out there for someone firing at cars or something like that. Okay. And then from my understanding, it was the other guy that was with them that ended up getting busted by the cops. Right. That was the one actually doing that. Okay. Now, Why'd they shoot him? <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll go into why they didn't shoot him. Uh, it's a, it's but, a very different story that was on his on that part of that. But. Well, the, well, the other kid's dead though. Is my thing. So who's going right. to disagree? That's my argument. Now it's yeah. like we'll never actually really know because yeah. it's like the fucking kid's dead. You know. Yeah. But from what I saw, I thought it was very tragic. I thought that it was too short sighted him to just fire like that when anyone could visibly see his hands were up. Yeah. Prior to being shot, and then if he had a gun up until the moment. He well, died. let's put it this way. Like, you guys started getting information more as we kind of hinted at the issues around it. So up until that moment, you were making an emotional decision, right? Well, like, one of the red flags, this, this though. This looks like everything's there. You're, a picture's worth a thousand words, and you're seeing empty hands, and you hear a kid got shot, and he's only 13 years old. And then you later learn, okay, maybe there's a gun involved and stuff. So you guys made a rational, normal human response to that, which was... Maybe, maybe this is a, a, a big issue, right? Well, what was weird is well, when the mayor, <clears throat> the mayor was straight up like, hey, let's wait. Let's not do anything crazy yet right? until we get all the facts. And yeah. I felt like at that point into, you know, the news cycle, everyone should have been super angry. And if yeah, you've had other people take leaps saying like, hey, this is fucked up or whatever it was way prior to, yeah. you know, that like you could see like in Minneapolis – uh, or not Minneapolis, but that chick with the taser. Like, he was already sort of backdoor weighing. Like, he's, like, you know, 
I don't know. You could tell that he was just trying to absolve himself of any wrongdoing or anything like that. And I felt like the fact that at least she, the mayor was being yeah, in front she of was it. Like, she was like, "Hey, let's wait." Yeah. Told which me is, immediately. Which is funny because was, that's that's no, something that it wasn't you as cut usually, and dry. Yeah, exactly. I say it was funny, but it's it's unique dry. in the fact that that's not usually what you get out of a city administration. Mm-hmm. You don't usually get them showing any kind of support. Which just right shows now. That, that it's not cut and dry. Because right. even if it is where there, it could have fallen either way. It's been less cut and dry or more cut and dry than right. this. You know what I mean? So what about you, Trey? Did you catch much of this before it, no, before I'm today? Only, I only saw the photo. Just that, sorry, just that one photo of him with his hands up. And right. That was it. And I, but I've seen, I have a couple of friends on Facebook and stuff. They're sheriffs and stuff. And so they were like, <clears throat> they immediately jumped on and like started highlighting this dude's career prior to that. Okay. Like that. Like was, the like the 13 year old or the officer? The officer. Okay. Like okay. they were painting him in a really good light. I was like, oh, he killed a kid though. So let's. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. You know, yeah, people, that, people make mistakes. 13 years old though. Yeah. Well, like we talked about on the last one, she had 24 years of service without a, really a blemish. And she was the president of the police union. And then shot somebody, mixed it up with a taser. Like, it, just because you do good for 26, 27 years of a career doesn't mean you and can't make a mistake. So. That, that stuff just doesn't get the light shed on it. Like, that one guy in sure. the Army uh, or the Marines or whatever, he has, sure like, a crap load yeah. of war war crimes. Mm-hmm. And uh, it didn't shed light until he was already, like, done with all his shit. Yeah. What are you talking about? That one guy who was getting in trouble, he, like, not, he like beheaded or not beheaded. He had, like, it was a photo where he had, like, a picture of a dead are you talking about like the war crime stuff overseas? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and he had like a picture of like a dead. Uh, I never heard person. about that one guy in the car. That <laughs> got pepper spray. Yeah. He, he, he like, what's a picture of his? Well, dead? we're we're bouncing, but I get I get what you're saying. He's that guy who yeah. like it was a whole bunch of buddies around him, and even a like the, the reason why he got in trouble is because like three of his like people under him came out. It's like this was fucked up. Right, like there's like, a real problem here. People pay attention, mm-hmm. you know. So Trey, like, what? I mean, did you watch the video at all yet? I haven't seen anything about okay, it. Good. I've heard, yeah, just just the photo. And yeah. as soon as I saw it, I was like, "Ah, oh, this is bad." <laughs> yeah. Because the hands up thing and the, all it showed, it just said that he was dead and it said his age. And I was like, "Oh, there's there's no way they're going to be able to explain this away." And even a a reasonable shooting, like even when I saw that they said he had a gun, I was like, "Nope, it still doesn't matter." They're right. Just gonna, just gonna paint it. He's a 13 year old. You took a child's life, and that's it. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a fair take. I mean, that's that's why it's important for governments to start being a little more transparent about well, what's happening, too, because if it, if that is the case, they need to be honest about it. A lot of times when they when you know it's a messed up case, it's because they don't want to talk about anything. They don't want to release video like it. It kind of becomes clear. They're like, hey, this is going to be really messy. So let's not let's not put it all out there. See, I, I got to break what, the seal. What boys. city did it happen in? I didn't even see that. <laughs> what city? Yeah, this was in Chicago. Chicago. I will throw the, the olive branch out there. And that's a very high crime rate city. Sure. So Especially lately. Prob- yeah, the officers are probably a little more on edge. Sure. So, okay. But they're also a little more experienced, wouldn't you say? If you're yeah. dealing with shots fired calls every night and you're dealing with people with guns every day, I think you're a little more, uh, you know, acute to what's happening and you're you're aware of the danger you're in. Yeah, that's fair. So, you know, it, let's, let's just circle around real quick to the story itself. And I'm going to read from uh, Chicago 5. It's a local news station and uh, NBC station. They kind of broke all the details down to... A timeline where it's a little more understandable. So we're not gonna we're, we're gonna gloss over a lot of the stuff and try to get just to the the meat and potatoes. So at two thirty five in the morning on the eleventh, uh, multiple uh, shot spotter sensors picked up audio saying there's eight or nine gunshots in the specific area. So Chicago has a system; they have cameras pretty much everywhere, kind of like DC. Any of the major cities have a lot of cameras. They also have the shot spotter technology, where it's literally microphones, and they only pick up. Well, I mean, I guess they can pick up audio anytime they want to, but they're specifically to triangulate gunshots 
and they're in these high crime areas. They specifically put them up in there so they can try to track down super quick where a problem's happening. And so as they get that information, they're able to dispatch officers out. They told them it was around 2356 uh, South Sawyer. Like, that's how specific it is. It can tell you, like, basically what sidewalk or corner or, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it's just the same technology you use for, you know, your cell phone. You know, when you're trying to get GPS on your cell phone. Which that makes it creepy. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, you know, instead of uh, instead of sing, sending a signal out to three different towers and try to triangulate a cell phone, you're just literally getting sound bouncing off of those mics. And you can triangulate pretty quick. So uh, the first two 911 calls came out a minute later, but they were already able to get officers in route before the 911 calls even came out because the shot spotter information goes directly to the MDTs. The MDTs are just the mobile data terminals the officers are using. So... Um, so anyways, they're, they're kind of reporting back and forth as the officers in route that they heard gunshots coming from this area. Um, and then at two thirty eight, so we're talking from two thirty five to two thirty eight. it's a three minute response time. And that's when the officer body cam shows them arriving at the scene, exiting the driver's door of the squad vehicle. After colliding with a civilian, the officer begins to chase an individual that was later identified as Adam Toledo down an alley. All right. So immediately when they pull up and they're making contact, the, the 13 year old starts running. Okay, so I, I would say at that moment, right, they're pulling into an area. They got a civilian that they're that is in the middle of this. They see the kid running. I mean, I think it's just instincts kick in and people are like, oh, I got to chase. Right. Yep. So officer starts chasing him. Um, and then it, it, that's basically the video that came out is the officer running down the alleyway for just a few seconds, chasing him and giving him commands. And in the video, he gives him commands of, you know, stop, stop right there. Um, show me your effing hands. Uh, and then at just before the shots fired, you hear the officer say, drop it. He yells, drop it, effing drop it, something along those lines, okay? Then you hear one shot fired. And in the video, when you go and watch it, it happens so fast. It, it, is, it becomes very clear how quick this happened that you don't even tell, you can't even tell unless you go frame by frame that there was actually a gun that came out. So what I want to show you, Trey, is a, video, is a picture I sent the boys the other day. And this is one that didn't circulate the news, but it's still cam from the officer's uh, you know, body cam, okay? okay? So what you see here in the top right of the photo that we're looking at, uh, this, this individual is, has a gun in his right hand, and he's spinning. So he had been running away from the officer. Now yeah. he's facing the officer, right? And he's looking over his left shoulder, turning away from the officer, and has a gun in his right hands. Then, in his right hand, not hands. Then you see the gun again here, and you already see the left hand is up. The left hand is already in the surrender position and the right hand is spinning around out of view. And then you can kind of see from this frame, he's looking at the officer. Yeah, so yeah. between there, when you watch the video, you can see that he's as he's turning and the gun's still in his hand that the officer can see, he's turning and looking at him. That'll become critical in what the officer talked about after that. I have a question. Yeah. At any point in the video, did you see that kid point the gun at the cop? Nope. Okay. And that leads me to my my question then. You always say that they don't account for hindsight being twenty twenty. Right. In that moment in time, his hands were up. Both of his hands were up. No. And that's what we're going to get to. So what this boils down to is, is really the question of... Um, before he was shot, though. Before the trigger was pulled, was, were both yeah, his hands yeah. not up? And that's, and that's what we're going to get into. So what happens is the video freezes. And the last thing you see... And, and, and mind you, like these cameras are only like 24, 25 frames a second. Maybe 30 if you're lucky. So you're not getting a whole lot of detail in between. It's it's a little jittery, plus it's on a moving body, okay? 
So this officer. Why don't we have better cameras on cops? <laughs> well, because it's the storage. The storage is the issue because uh, it's all evidentiary. And so every night you have to download that camera onto a system. It has to have a reliable battery in it. It has to be it's rugged. Constantly running. Yeah, it has to be rugged because you're going to be bumping into stuff. You're going to be getting it, you know, spraying crap on it. Like it, you're dropping food as you're eating on it. I mean, the, it has to be rugged. And so you, you learn, you run into a, what I call size and weight constraint. All you nothing fancy listeners out there know what that is. But your, your but size and GoPro's like pretty good quality. And yeah, but a GoPro is not built for evidentiary value. It doesn't have a secure encrypted system on it. And so part of this is there's a software on there that is able to tell anytime the video is accessed on that. And that way it can actually retain a, a chain of custody. That's a big thing when it comes to court is okay. where did this video come from? Is it authentic? And the best way to authentic, authenticate a video is to have a chain of custody from the point of recording all the way into the point it shows up in court. Well, okay. what was funny is when you would have those videos of the cops not realizing when you press record, it actually had the nine seconds prior recorder <laughs> yeah. or whatever. And it's oh, like I them planting drugs <laughs> on like people and stuff like that. Well, I didn't get caught this. planting drugs, but I've been caught many times being like, oh, son of a, you know, right before, yeah. right before the recording starts. And so you learn pretty quick that like, okay, if I say something stupid, I need to wait to turn my lights and sirens on for just another 10 <laughs> seconds and then I can get it rolling. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so the idea of, you know, that, that we watched this last frame and the last frame you see is both hands up like this. And the reality is between when that gun was seen in the video and when you see his right hand even come into view is, is a very critical point in time in which I think the story starts changing quickly. Okay. So what you've got is the officer's statement through his attorney his attorney later comes in and makes a statement on this whole thing. Uh, you're just kind of, I, I guess, answering for him, trying to give like a best, <laughs> a best description. And this is what the attorney said. He said, the juvenile offender had the gun in his right hand. He looked at the officer, which the officer interpreted as attempting to acquire a target and began to turn and face the officer, attempting to swing the gun in his direction. So really what we're down to is, is it what the officer interprets? Or is it the facts? And that's really what we're, that's kind of the question of what we're asking is, you're in the moment and that's why we can't use 2020 hindsight. We have to use the information that the officer has, which he's called to a shots fired call and he's chasing somebody who's running from the scene and the person has a gun in their hands and they're turning and they're not obeying commands. And so you've got somebody who's at least passive resistive, right? Meaning that we're already on the use of force criterion, meaning like force is legally able to be applied at this point because this person is actively resisting you by running and fleeing. Just because he stops and turns around like towards this gap in the fence doesn't necessarily mean he's giving himself up. His hands aren't in the air. In fact, his right hand has a gun in it as he's spinning around. And then his left hand comes like this, comes up, to, you know, his left hand comes up to his shoulder basically in like a surrender position, but you don't see the right hand yet. And that's where, to me, the clock starts because that's when the gun disappears and the officer now needs to make a decision about if that gun is coming around like this, right? Like the, the right hand's going to carry the gun around or if it's going to be an empty hand. Now you're a 50-50 shot. You don't know for sure, correct? But the shot wasn't taken until both hands were up. Right, which is what it looks like in the video, right? And so I, I, that is the, the crux of why I wanted to have this talk with you guys is I want to have a little, little education course in what we call perception reaction time. So this is something I learned back when I was doing accident reconstruction. It's basically the idea that there's only so much you can do in a given amount of time because of we, we're hardware, okay? We have software that's running in us, which is our consciousness, but we are hardware, which means that we have a brain and a brain stem, and everything has to flow through that and get down to the trigger finger, all right? And there's time that that takes, and there's feedback time too. And so the first principle I want you to understand is the OODA loop. I think I've talked to you guys about this before, but the OODA loop is you have to orient yourself, you have to observe a problem, orient yourself for the problem, 
make a decision, and then take action. So there's four things that happen in the decision-making process. You have to see there's a problem, orient yourself. So meaning, where am I in relation to that problem? You have to decide what you're going to do about it, and then you have to take action. And because of that OODA loop, and because it's constantly changing as you get more information, so as you see the hands spinning, as you see the body turning, as you see a firearm, as those things are progressing, you're getting more information. And you're in your mind, you have to calculate. And in this instance, between when the gun went out of view and when the hands came back into view was 0.8 seconds. So we have to ask ourselves the question, should the officer have waited until he saw both hands, one with a gun or one without a gun? Or it, does he have to make a decision whether or not there's a threat about to be presented to him? My argument is that if he was ready for all these things, if he was... You know, if if you're trained as a cop, I'm sure you're trained to process information very fast and whatnot. And you're supposed uh, to be trained. Let, let's be honest. Cops right. are normal people. <clears throat> the, the expectation and the physical training and the things that are expected of an officer, there's really high expectations when you get out of the academy, right? To graduate, you got to have PT in line. You've okay. got to have your defensive tactics in line. You have to be a good shooter. You have to have the law, the well, experience. In this right? instance, he was already ready to take the shot before the hands were up. And, um, well, what leads you to believe he was ready to take the shot before? Be, uh, well, I because he shot him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think he might've made the right decision to preserve his own life. Well, no, the, the thing well, is, whether it's right or wrong. That, though, well, time out. If he's ready to do <laughs> that. Right, uh, moral. What, what, no, right, but what right. is the law state? Is it to where hypothetically I could be shot it's right not now? Hypothetical. Or, no, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. And yeah. he yeah. shot yeah. based on a hypothetical because he didn't actually have the gun in his hand is what I'm, what what I'm, I'm saying. What I'm so how does, what is the law state right. as far as a potential of death or, Hey, I know for sure. No, no. So what the law says is you have to be in reasonable fear for your life or the life of others. And that is when you can use a self-defense clause. And so what it comes down to, cause that is subjective. That is. And that's a problem. Subjective. Now, let's imagine this officer didn't have a body cam. And let's imagine that he dropped this gun somewhere where you could not see it. And so you're taking the officer's word. I swear he had a gun in his hand. But then the officers can't find the gun afterwards because it went down into a ravine, went down into the water and disappeared. Now, that officer is behind bars for sure facing homicide charges. Am I right? Mm-hmm. But now all the second, all the chance, all that he gets a chance at justice because there's video. And because there's experience of other officers looking at this and other people around the prosecution that are looking at this and going, this isn't so clear cut. This isn't just an officer shooting somebody with his hands up now. Yeah, but he was ready to take that shot, in my opinion. And I uh, think, uh, yeah, and I agree. I personally believe he made the decision to take that shot before that second hand, the right hand, reappeared. Yeah, and the thing is, though, when if he's ready to do that and the right hand did appear... He should also be ready for the kid to drop his hands right. if he did have a gun and shoot. Which at, at that point you're able to pull your finger faster than somebody <laughs> dropping it. In my opinion, if you're ready, if you're ready to take the shot, and you should also be ready for that. So the physics behind that are interesting, and we're and that's what we're going to get into. But who has a clear shot is what I'm saying. Like he had him clear in his sights the he entire time the officer versus clearly, the kid turning around and then trying to aim and then fire you're theoretically and supposed you to have know a that shot kid on that it person. wasn't trained with a gun like this cop is. yeah after but analyzing the situation does the officer know that he's well, uh, again I'm this sure is where 13 this is where we start getting we're talking about the city where there's like I'm, the most gun violence in the world right but you know that i'm sure that is there a chance knew that that kid was not trained like the cop was with that gun you're assuming the cop has some really good training they don't. They really he's don't. he's yeah, working on a you big would, You would hope they I, would. I can, I can I'm sure they go to the shooting range all the time. No. 
They don't? I can assure you he probably been to the range three times in the last year, if that. That's scary. That is very scary. So like this this comes back to like the whole thing. Like I want to do a separate podcast on the training and experience that I think is is handicapping law enforcement. It's like straight in, up police in, academy. Well, <laughs> like my thing is, like, is I definitely, on, even though I can agree, I can agree that all this shit is fucked up. Even this situation where this kid lost his life, even though he's trying to put his hands up or right. the bitch with the taser or George Floyd or whatever, I can admit everything is fucked up, but I, I can't admit that defunding the police is the answer. Cause That's it seems like stuff. it would, it would be the exact opposite. Like if we're yeah. really searching for a solution here, and stopping this, we need to better yeah. train our law law enforcement. Exactly. And we need to be able we need to destigmatize mental health and things like that. Yep. To where that way we can, you know, people aren't scared to reach out and get help and all this other shit. But we can't defund them because more shit like this will happen. Yeah. Well, dude, and part of me thinks they ought to get paid more too. Oh, a thousand percent. Like I said, it's a public health issue. That's that's Te- not, it's just like it's important it's jobs that we have in, in like our a doctor or a lawyer. Do not get paid enough. Teachers, the they're they're taking care of our jobs. children's education, and we pay them fucking next to nothing. Yeah, we should really so, have a gold standard of like becoming a cop. Then also, you're being paid like a lawyer or a doctor. So it's not important. It's a public health or safety situation. You know what I mean? It really is. Well, so, the, the fabric of what we're, we're hitting at right now is that there's a whole lot of issues surrounding this particular one that we're talking about. But to get into the into the nitty-gritty, because I think a lot of people have that first opinion, and then they're going to stick with it. Most people do that. I mean, that's why they tell you, you know, you sell books based off the cover. You don't sell them based on what's inside. If you got a really good cover on a book or you got a really good advertisement, you're likely to get hit on business. I right? always read that flap like, <laughs> and see if I actually want to invest time into this. Sure, and some people are a little more thoughtful about what they do. And so I try to be super thoughtful and nuanced. So what we're going to do is I'm going to try to break down for you why I think the officer hadn't made the decision prior to the second hand coming around and why I think that decision was accurate or at least the, the safest for himself and his partners. So what it comes down to is a 50-50 shot between whether the gun gets pulled around in that situation or if it's an empty hand. And we're asking somebody, we, we have not made it, we haven't predicated this officer's career yet to say that in that situation, you will wait to see the other hand because this is a juvenile, okay? Let me give you a good example. I have a good friend. Why are we trained to be like, if they have a gun, let me be in a position to either take the shot or die or get behind something so I can see if this kid. You're in an f- alleyway with fences on either side of you. Yeah, and you're nothing also, to hide behind. I, was he, but not next to a cop car? No, they no. Chased him. he chased oh, him down an alleyway. Yeah, no, He's no in the open. It's like concealment, okay. but not cover. It's he not had no cover, thing. and he didn't see a gun until the kid stopped and almost. Okay. I thought he was right next to a cop car. Yeah. See, that's no. a little bit of lack of information. On my no. I said I'm coming. In all fairness, he did preface this. He didn't know what the fuck he was talking. But you know what? That's good though, because you're asking questions that some people might assume as well. So hey. No, no, take no issue with that, Jake. Um, okay, so I, I had a good friend that was a police officer. Uh, he worked for a department that was kind of a parallel to the department I worked at. And that he, definitely, by the way, changes my view that he wasn't next to a cop car because I'd be like, yeah. I just open the door and hide get, behind the door. Yeah, next, get to a safe place yeah. so I can make a decision in a reasonable amount of time. Yeah. It definitely does change my opinion a little bit, but I, I think, I still think with the whole, like, if he had his hands up, if he went right to this, pop, right then and there. Let's let's wait to get there again because that's okay. gonna be that's kind of like the end of the story, right? We're trying to get to the beginning of the story. So what I'm trying to do is give you an example of a situation where a choice was made because we're talking about the, the flip of a coin, whether somebody's going to kill you. That's really what we're talking about because you see a gun and shots have been fired. So that officer had a whole lot of information leading up to that moment, especially this person running from him. This person is likely to use violence. 
And I think it's fair to say that. I think it's fair to say, even though it's a 13 year old, there's a propensity towards violence in the sense that this. But that just worse. shooting cars is a lot different than shooting a human being. No, it's not. There's human being in. They human didn't kill anyone. Cars. And the cops yeah. killed someone that night. <laughs> okay, but that doesn't make it any safer. Guns, especially in Chicago, like handguns are illegal in Chicago. You realize that. Yeah. So, well, like, that, there, was, there was already a felony being story, committed. You are bringing up that one story, though, though about that cop mm-hmm. that decided, I can't kill this right, kid right. Let me, let me tell him it. out of that. Let me, let me tell it. That's what I was trying to get to, okay? You guys keep trying to, like, sidetrack, and I'm like, let me let me explain this. There is a decision that's made. Sir. It's okay. So, there's a decision that's made. This officer got a call that there was possibly a suicidal teenager, okay? Mm-hmm. He goes to deal with it, and this is behind a school. So, there's there's, you know, kids in an active school. And he goes out and he finds that there is this kid with a rifle. He confronts him and he does what we call a gun challenge, which is somebody's got a gun out. You're going to challenge him with your gun. Okay. The gun challenge is, is basically just, Hey, I'm from the police department. Drop it. Right. Like in, in so many words, you know, he probably had to use more colorful language because your emotions are running high. You see somebody with a gun. The kid turns the gun on that officer and has it pointed at him. That officer sees that it's a juvenile. He sees that it's a rifle he has no cover. He's in an open area. And he decides at that moment, I'm not going to kill a kid. I don't know how I could deal with that. Like he decided maybe I just need to take the shot at me before I react to this. Okay. Which is, that is on him. That was his personal choice to make. Which is my argument. The fact that the, the fact that that kid didn't shoot him, I'm sure that kid would have been fine with shooting a car. Well, see, you, you just jumped in, you jumped ahead. So let me go into that next part. So the officer is facing down with him and is able to talk him out of it. Okay, so that situation was based off of very little information, kind of like this other, except shots had not been fired yet. And he didn't have to chase this kid down an alleyway. This kid was in the open and he approached him in the open. And it was something where he knew the kid was most likely suicidal versus somebody who's actually already actively been firing the weapon. So the, the, the fact that you're pulling the trigger, whether you're hitting people or not, is irrelevant to the fact that you're showing the propensity towards violence in that moment. And so that, you know, those circumstances that you know that there's a, a possibility. All I'm saying is, is there a possibility that that, that person would use a firearm? Yes, but okay. I feel like there's a lot less of a possibility. Uh, like if, like who, like if this, before this kid shot any cars, if you were to bet if this kid's going to shoot a car or a human being, what would you put your money on? Him shooting a car. I don't know, car. you tell me. I'm just saying it's a, it's a lot different to shoot a human being and take someone's right. life. But then again, we're in a hypothetical, right? And this is where this is why. And the you're law, just talking about the propensity of violence. Yeah. You're talking about the potential. It's just of the which, potential. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, which but I feel it's like not saying he would. Not not in hindsight. Especially as a 13 year old boy. Thank you, Caleb. Just hit it. This is why they ha- this is why they, the court says. That being said, I don't necessarily agree with this kid died, but no, <laughs> I no. agree. No, no, and that's true. But this is also why the law looks at the situation and the totality of the circumstances up until the point of where there's you know supposedly a crime. Because the idea is you can't judge it later with more facts and say, oh, well, we later learned that this is what happened and that happened. And this now, is all going to come down to probably just police training. Well, here, here's the, so let's go to the next one. Let's go to the next part of this, which is what did we know after the fact? What more information is there that would support or hurt the officer's case of this being the kid, of this being the kid that shot the gun, right? Well, we, we flip over just to Snopes. Like, the, funny enough, Snopes has an article on this already. And going through there, they quote the law enforcement officials that went out of the way to do a gunshot residue swab on gloves and the hands of the 13-year-old. Guess what was present on both the gloves and the hands of the 13-year-old? 
gunshot residue. <laughs> gunshot residue. Meaning that, okay. like, that's that's why, I, I mean, I kind of gave it to you and you messed it up. But that's okay. Well, I, was, I thought it was already known that he shot the gun. No, it wasn't because th- there was another person that was there, a 21-year-old. And the 21-year-old was apprehended at the time the cops pulled up. And the only one that ran was a 13-year-old. So it wasn't clear if it was one of them or both of them that did it. But they were the ones that they were looking for. So... Uh, but they later found that it really was a 13-year-old that had gloves on. I think the gloves were actually recovered near where the 21-year-old was stopped, but they didn't, like, clearly, it was like the O.J. Simpson thing. It didn't fit, right? It had to have been the juveniles, plus the juveniles' hands actually had the gunshot residue on them. So to get that, like, you know, they, they swab your palm, the back of your hand, as well as your forearm, because that's where all the powder residue goes. And when it shows its present, then it's, like, pretty pretty determinative that that was the person that shot it. So, But that information is irrelevant in the court size, and it says, was did the officer have reasonable suspicion or, or probable cause or any kind of belief that this person could use violence and was about to use violence. And I think that there's enough to substantiate that was likely the case. If he was out there shooting the gun like a toy, he didn't have the right amount of respect for it. And Well, I, sure. I mean, you're talking about a 13-year-old yeah, around with a 21-year-old exactly, shooting yeah, cars. This is not a... Ridiculous. This isn't a good situation to have anybody in. So I think, I mean, I, I'm trying to put myself in the, in the head of that 13-year-old, and I think you all do too, which is like, I think he was trying to give up. I think he was trying to throw the gun so he didn't get shot. And the problem was he stumbled with the gun. The officer saw it. He saw him turning with the gun, and it was too late. It was kind of at that point of the officer was like, if he spins around, I don't have time to wait to see what he brings. If he's bringing the gun, then he can shoot me before I can shoot him. And then it's just a, you know, who's going to die first, right? So he didn't know. He didn't know he was leaving the officer basically without a decision in that situation. So the information I wanted to get to, there's two studies that I've got, as well as a textbook with my accident reconstruction that really break down the perception reaction time. And it's very different between a vehicle and like a, a, you know, from your brain to your trigger finger, right? But the same principles apply, which is you need to observe that there's an actual problem, which also observed that there's a gun. Then he has to orient himself to it, meaning is he actually in danger, right? As that kid is spinning, so he's turning, right? There's motion going on, and that motion we perceive to continue, right? We're we're thinking ahead of what's about to happen. But I feel like this is different than, like, this or maybe it just like this. Well, the problem was he couldn't see it. Yeah, I mean, what are you supposed to? Uh, no, but uh, that's what I'm saying. He could definitely see uh, the, the, the like, officer not could dropping see... the gun. My question is, could we not watch this video real quick to see the reaction time in which the kid had his hands up before the gun was fired? Because you know I think not that's truly idea. the crux of the whole idea. Fellas, we're back from break. Jake, saw the video, man. What's your response? It was a very fast video. Super like it was fast. Very fast. Yeah. The thing is, though, I mean, like... Uh, I know, it, it doesn't necessarily change your opinion of the fact that you I don't want a 13-year-old dying like I, that. And not just that. I mean, it doesn't change my fi- opinion of, like, maybe wait a little bit longer before you pull that trigger. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, th- again, this is where I told you, I think the crux, the crux of this whole issue now is going to be are we as a society moving to a point that we want officers to take on a little more risk? Because I feel like he was fair in the amount of time he gave. And when he saw the gun, you know, on the ground spinning towards him in that freeze frame I showed earlier. Did he know he was 13? I think, no. Yeah, you know, no, you can't, you can't age somebody that quickly in a foot pursuit. <laughs> I well, don't know if that, they had the record on him already and be like, yeah, hey, no. this guy. They didn't even know who it was no. yet. I think it was so fast because the cop made it so fast. 
I mean, there wasn't much of a choice when you got a gun yeah, out. You could see the gun, and he it went out of sight, and one hand yeah. went up, and he, and hand, he saw him spinning around. Yeah, All he sees is him spinning around. So he's like, "I don't know what's coming. I'm not going to risk it." I think it's that's weird. just how it was. I definitely has changed a bit. I definitely don't think that. So okay, let's move on to the next part. Should have died. I think it's a shitty situation all around. Absolutely, but Dude, I don't think that was, cop. Like, I, just so you I don't know, think the cop wanted to kill a thirteen-year-old either. I have a very night. good friend. Uh, in fact, my my cousins met this very good friend. Um, I have a very good friend that ended up leaving the police department because of a shooting he was involved in, and he was one hundred and ten percent in the right. This guy came out of the house. It was a domestic violence situation. When the first officers arrived, the female met them at the door. And they said, what's going on? He's got a gun, and he comes running up the stairs, shooting the gun at everyone. Like, aiming... Well, he wasn't shooting at that time. He was aiming it at the officers as they were trying to retreat, okay? So they retreated to a safe spot. They didn't just engage him and start letting bullets fly, okay? So they retreated to a safe position with the female, and then they surrounded the house. They got the SWAT team out there. My buddy was a part of that, okay? He was the one that ended the situation when the guy came out, guns blazing, shooting at officers, he was, it was something he was prepared to do. He was trained to do. He knew his job and he knew he was protecting the other officers around him and he was 110% justified. Nobody would ever argue it. And yet he, he can't deal with the fact that he had to kill someone. And I guarantee you this officer is dealing with this and he's not dealing with it very well. And I guarantee that female officer up near Minneapolis, I guarantee she's not dealing with this very well because we're not like, I don't think anybody in law enforcement, it, there's a few. I'll give you that. There's probably a few that have no problem with pulling that trigger. I think the vast majority of them, though, especially if it's a kid, especially if it's a young adult, they're, it hurts. It's going to hurt. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It, it obviously was a very, very quick decision type of scenario. Yeah. And it is tragic now nonetheless. That, I, yeah, like, no matter which side of the aisle you fall on regarding this situation, yeah. It's not like it wasn't tragic. And, and that's, that's, that's what bums me out is like the bad well, faith Well, it takes arguments. out the intent. It takes well, out the intent that the well, officer exactly. was there to kill him. Okay? Like, well, well, Crowder, though, commenting as he commented, even though I'm for people just doing whatever they want and saying whatever they want to say. Yeah. But I was like, man, that's, like, I don't know. It, it, to just be that short-sighted. Well, okay. it, no, but to hang be, on, hang on. be that short-sighted. What did Crowder say that you're specifically talking about? Well, like he, he said, he, yeah, he was like, low homicide, had the gun out, 0. 0.0 or 0.8%. Yeah. No, well, He's very the, the idea is that it was right. okay for I'm him sorry, to die. That no. no matter what transpired, that his justification of him having a gun made it okay for him to die. And I don't think that that's <laughs> the situation 100% of the time. That's not. No, 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 it's and, not. <laughs> and that's why I have a disagreement with Crowder is the fact that he falls on one side of the aisle, you know, generally, oh, always more often than the other side. But... Not just that, it was all partisan points. And he, he finds and a way. And I, I, think, I think that's what fucks. Yeah, and I agree with you too, because that's what fucks up the situation is justifying death of a child. He's 13 years old. Let's let's take away the justification and come to an understanding of why it happened. And that's, no, that, and that's why exactly. we did this. And it could be tragic, exactly. Mm -hmm. If you come to an understanding and understand that, hey, it's tragic, but it's also terrible, I, I this think, kid died. Let's be honest. I think the word tragic is absolutely, that sums up this entire thing because it was it, like in the situation of the female officer that shot the, the, the guy, uh, I'm going to screw up the name. I know Mr. Wright was his name. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, that shot him while he was in his car and she intended to use a taser in that situation. I, like you kind of have to like take a step back and be like, that's a script you can't make. <laughs> so we're going to try to wrap this podcast up. I really appreciate you guys giving your viewpoints and especially watching your reaction after the video. I know Trey, you even had a bit of a reaction to it as well as like, Oh yeah, no, that I didn't realize was it was really that fast. that fast. It was so fast. Yeah, well, I mean, anything else on that tray? In the time that he had, just to preserve his own life, I think that was 
the right decision for him. Not for the kid, obviously. The kid, you know. Sure. Right. Definitely in hindsight, he fucked up. He fucked up hard. Who? The cop. I don't know, man. In that, hindsight. In, in hindsight, hindsight, we can say that. In well, hindsight, we, I think we can say In hindsight, that. with the kid's hands yeah. in the oh, air, sure, we can yeah. objectively say okay, that. Okay. With yeah. all the information after. That's yeah. what I'm sure, saying. Exactly. Yeah. Objectively, yeah. you can and, say and, that. And, you know, the only only thing I wanted to circle back to, I want to make that point, is when you saw his hands both there and that video pauses and that shot is fired, right? If you rewind that and what we do, like, you know, time distance equations where we can literally go back in time based off how fast something was happening and say where somebody was at, how fast they were going and what they could see. Right. In those situations, you, you rewind the clock on seeing his hands and the officer from the time you rewind it from seeing his hands to when the officer made the decision to pull the trigger was while he still saw that gun going around the back. I think you share my podcast on the problem with media and the fact that they could just edit whatever video they see to <laughs> like give doing. a certain narrative. There's yeah. there's very much that there's very much a skew towards that. Project Veritas has been kind of talking about that a little bit more with some behind the scenes stuff with CNN that's looking pretty bad for CNN right now. Yeah, but. CNN kind of sucks. I feel like Project Veritas sometimes kind of sucks too. I think they all Sorry. sometimes kind of suck. Well, Project Don Veritas Lennon. is trying to they're trying to catch people out, and I respect the fact that they're trying to catch them out because there's a lot of shady stuff going on. Like when you see the, you know those videos and you realize how the media how the news is being presented with like this situation on CNN, the way that it's being presented is to draw a particular light. Not not that it like they're allowed to tell a story, right? They're, they can tell the story kind of however they want, but they're trying they're trying to do it to get a particular outcome, kind of like they did with the election and things like that. And I think that's where it kind of drives people. You know, you get into your camp, you watch Fox News or you I. watch e. CNN. the border crisis right now. Like <laughs> right. how the fuck everyone's just now silent about it, right. and you're like, well, what? You yeah. know what I mean? Biden and and Trump are basically doing the same exact thing at the yeah. border. The behavior is the same, and and yet there's a different. No one's view being, on it. Yeah, no one's calling Biden a racist. Yeah. Like it just blows my mind. So again, fellas, really appreciate the time on this one. Hopefully, I mean, like just hearing your responses, kind of all I wanted. Like that's, I just wanted to see that that I'm not just crazy when I see things the way that I do. And, and I, this is I the most Eric's like how are the platform you being I'm a retard, all. Jake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Eric, you're the man. All right, fellas, it was a good time.